You are tuned to Nerd Noise Radio, Channel 2. Thank you for joining us, dear listeners. You are tuned to Nerd Noise Radio Channel 2, Nerd Noise Game Club. Today's broadcast is C2E9 for Theme Thursday, August 25th, 2022. Today's episode is a focus on desert biome music on a program that we're calling Just Deserts. And as always, I'm joined by Hugh. What's going on, Hugh? Not a whole lot. Not, not too much. How are you doing? I'm okay. Um... Yeah, I'm doing okay. I've, I've got some stuff tomorrow that I'm a little scared about, but uh, that's why we're recording today. So I, I let the listener let the listener hear that you should never, ever put off dental work because it just has no. a tendency to snowball. Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely a case where um, prevention is a lot, lot, a lot cheaper than uh, treatment. Yes. Yes, even with insurance, I can barely afford it. And without insurance, it would have been completely out of the question. So, but that's tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to have to have a couple pulled in the back. And so this is my last, right around now, right around 24 hours from now is when they'll be doing it. So this is my last full day with the full set. Okay. Are they going to give you something good? Like, uh, you know, places out here, you can get like ketamine for for extraction. (laughs) So I found out I will be getting ketamine. Oh, okay. Well, then you're be fine. You you won't notice a thing. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm nervous about the procedure, but I actually am a little excited about about that part. So, which 
Ketamine is something I've never had before, but I hear I hear wonderful things about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my understanding is unless you have some sort of weird immunity to it, um, you, you you'll essentially know that you're getting the, the the medication, and then okay, we're done. Is about the the extent of the procedure. You know, the thing that terrifies me the most is what I might say. <laughs> Oh well, yeah. Just, just don't, just don't have anyone that you know in the room. Like, the, the doctors hear all kinds of crazy things, but if you think you have some dark confession that's going to leak out, then you know, tell your significant other to wait in the waiting room. They don't let them in there during the procedure, anyways. I don't think so. Right, right. Yeah, Jody took the day off to take care of me tomorrow. So, um, well, yeah. anyway, yeah, their their recovery is worse than the procedure, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And truth be told, that's probably the part I'm even more afraid about. But you know, I used to make this terrible pun that's a lot less funny to me now. Um, mm-hmm. Going to the dentist is like pulling teeth. Yeah, that's a lot less funny to me now. So, all right. So, it's been since June. What have you been up to? Ah, uh, that's this is always the problem. I can't remember what I have done in the past two months. I did, um, had I put out like a, a new, uh, small little Sega Genesis demo by the t- when we recorded last? Uh, well, I know about Speedrun Tower. Yeah, so I put that out in June, but I can't remember if that was before or after we recorded. Um, but that was the last last big thing I did. It was a game, like, it turns out I wrote it in four months. I thought I spent like a year on it. Um, but uh, s- somehow when I actually looked back at when I started it versus when I put it out, it was it was actually done pretty quickly. Okay. And uh, just trying to figure out what I want to work on next. I mean, I have like a day job and, you know, kids and all that stuff. Uh, you know, got to move one of my kids back to college in another week. Um, so that that's real exciting. Um, but yeah, it's just trying to figure out what I want to do next. Uh, play-wise, I just finished the um, Killing Game series. What was it called? Danganronpa? Yeah, Danganronpa. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just finished that. And I started uh, Live Alive or Live Alive or Live... I'll live. So it's funny. I have actually gotten. I I try to avoid online arguments anymore. Like ten, the me yeah. of ten years ago lived for them. They sought them out. But the me of mm-hmm. the me of today tries to avoid them. And I actually made an exception and got into kind of an argument with someone on Nintendo Life about this. So I had always thought it was Live Alive. I had always followed mm-hmm. the Legacy Music Hour guidance and called it Live Alive. But. Um, there were there was this Nintendo Life or Nintendo Life article debating the name of it, and all of a sudden it dawned on me. It's like we've got the katakana. The katakana mm-hmm. will clear it up. And so you look at the katakana, and it comes out uh, "laibu alaibu." So you translate that "live alive." So as much as I think the name "live alive" is just stupid, stupid, and I think "live alive" is so much better of a name, it is "live alive." So. Uh, I'm thinking of, I'm thinking about getting that, but I don't know. I mean, I'm hardly playing one of the biggest, um, I think so far with the steam deck, the, the two, the two significant disappointments I've had have all been people. One of the big, th- one of the big things that really excited me about the steam deck was it's potential to advance gaming on Linux, you know, because gaming on Linux through things like Proton has already exploded over the past five years. And then to have a flagship device to coalesce around, you know, rather than all these just disparate nerds making this happen, uh, you know, and have this thing to coalesce around. I was just like, man, this could really push gaming on Linux forward. And it can, and it is, it is. But 
I had, and I'd always known that you could flash windows onto it. You know, you could make it a windows machine. And I knew that some people would do that, but I figured it'd be a really small number. And I'm disappointed by the community <laughs> uh, for so many of them. Like, I don't know the number, but it wouldn't surprise me if 40% of Steam Decks are running Windows, which is really disappointing to me. But the other thing that's really been a disappointment for me about the Steam Deck is me. I, I'm yeah. not putting as much time into this as I should. You know, I mean, I'm not spending as much time playing. Uh, and I'm, I've hardly done anything in terms of, like, setting up how I want it in desktop mode, you know, doing podcast production on it and kind of making it a surrogate or an upstairs computer kind of thing. I've hardly touched it from that perspective. Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah, the system is turning out to be everything I hoped it would be, but, uh, the prefer the, the, the surrounding elements are, you know, I'm disappointed in myself for not using it more. Uh, my brother just got his steam deck the other day. He wasn't sure whether he was going to get one in it. And he decided at the like 11th hour to, to take the plunge. And so he just got it and he's playing a bunch of games on it. And it seems like he's liking it so far. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, um, I guess tying it back to the theme of the episode, I was on vacation in uh, Sedona, Arizona, <laughs> where I got the email saying you have like 15 seconds to confirm that you want to buy the Steam Deck or you're not going to get it. And I was already kind of on the fence because I had, um, I believe, zero compatible games in my library. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, you know, I don't I, I, don't have any payment apps on my phone, right? Mm -hmm. So I have no way to pay for this thing right now, even if I wanted it. So uh, I guess I will reply with the decline button. And that was it. That was the end of me uh, being on the, the wait list for Steam Deck at all. Yeah. Well, so that was kind of, it sounded like fate kind of decided that one for you yeah yeah pretty much so it it worked all it uh it kind of worked out all right i i bought a switch oled like when i came back um not not for any particular reason other than i said i would buy one when i saw one on the shelf at target mm -hmm. and then i went to target and there was one on the shelf man of your word yeah so yeah. i i've been using that a lot and that's um that's about it. My, it's the same policy I have for like the PlayStation 5. When, when I can walk into a Target and it's just there, then I will buy one. Okay. Yeah. Um, I will I will say that unrelated, I had someone, I, I, I was talking to someone who was debating selling their Steam Deck um, because they got it and they're like, well, I don't think I'm ever going to play this. So I looked at Craigslist Chicago because I was curious if there was a big secondary market for the Steam Deck. Mm-hmm. And there were only like five Steam Deck listings and the description was all like, I thought I would play it more. <laughs> like all of them. Wow. Um, which is very different than the, the PlayStation 5 scalpers, which are just like, I'm a scalper, deal with it. Yeah, I, I can't talk about my feelings on scalpers without um, sounding real, real bitter, you know, and angry. Yeah, I just... Yeah. I don't know. You know, it's the dark, it's the dark, ugly underbelly side of capitalism at work. Um, and, and, uh, I don't, I don't know. I almost think like we'd be better if we like put them on an Island and let them just kill and eat each other, you know? Yeah. 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 I could see a reality show like that. Scalper <laughs> Island. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so what else has been going on with you? I, we kind of detoured off on the steam deck there. Oh, right? yeah. I'm sorry about that. Yeah. 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 And I'm not, you know, I'll try to stay awake for Steam Deck discussion. It's sort of a topic I've 
start tuning out just because I, uh, I don't imagine I'll ever buy one now. I don't know. Um, but again, your, your observation about people putting Windows on it is not really surprising. There are just way more games for Windows than there are for, for Linux on the Steam Deck. So it's not... Um, it's kind of funny that you would buy it, replace the OS, and then install Windows and probably, presumably, install Steam on top of it. Um, so that's that's kind of funny. No, not um, not doing a whole lot else. You know, I'm, I'm really getting excited for fall. I was actually thinking of, like... Switching over to like fall decor early, you know, being one of those people that just goes all in on fall around mid-August. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I, I think I think because it's been such like a an insanely hot summer. Yes, yes, which makes the theme of this episode very, uh, very apropos. Except, Fitting, yeah. Well, except we've also had those mega floods, you know, in various parts of the country, and so this yeah. this doesn't resonate with that part. Yeah, yeah, we've we've been okay here. Yeah. Yeah, the grass is brown. That's the worst thing we're going with. Um, so let's see what's been going on. Well, before before I is there any? Did you have any other top of shows? No, I have I have nothing exciting going on. Okay. Well, so on on our side, uh, late last month, for uh, for my my teenager's birthday, we uh, we went on our first proper family vacation. Certainly ever as a four-person family, but, you know, maybe ever, ever, ever. We went to uh, the Black Hills. We went, we went ahead and went into Wyoming to see Devil's Tower. We actually saw the start of an honest-to-goodness wildfire, um, which I never realized was a bucket list thing for me until it happened. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, but we stayed in a, a cabin uh, in rural, rural South Dakota in between Rapid City and Keystone. So up in the Black Hills, it was really beautiful. I, um, I'd get up in the morning and I'd sit out on the back deck with a, um, a bowl of pipe tobacco. So I've never in my entire life, never smoked a single cigarette, but I do the ever so occasional cigar and occasional bowl of pipe tobacco. And I brought the pipe for the trip just in case. And it got a lot of use. Just sat there, puff away. My, um, I have an uncle, Eric, who lives in Queens, New York, and he, out of the blue, a couple months ago, he hand wrote me a letter that I meant to reply to and never got around to it until this trip. So I just sit sit there, look at these huge evergreen lined uh, hills that were almost small mountains, puff away and write my uncle Eric. Uh, it was great, but we, you know, we've been to Mount Rushmore before. Uh, we've been to a lot of the other attractions out there, and it's it's an amazing place to visit. But I. Yeah. It, it kind of reinforced to me that it, this is the kind of place I'd like to go to maybe once a year or two for a, a few days, and then I've had enough. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't want to live out there. There's just, uh, it's it's just so, it's just a different culture out there, you know, and yeah, yeah. wouldn't be the kind of thing I'd want to live in. So uh, let's see, what else is new besides dental work, besides Steam Deck, besides South Dakota? I have this terrible feeling I'm forgetting something, so maybe we'll bring it up later in the show. Yeah, you'll, if we remember it later, we'll bring it up. It's not, it's not a big deal. No. Uh, yeah, I've never, I've never been that far. I mean, I've been like to Las Vegas and California. I've been to the West Coast, mm-hmm. you know, west side of the country, but I've never really been to um, the Dakotas. Although I do, I am planning to go go visit the, the Twin Cities again sometime soon. But. Okay. But I don't know when I can do that. Anyways, enough about travel or lack thereof. I've been, uh, 
Yeah. So let's talk about uh, large bodies of sand. Yes. Yes. Um, this opening track, I'll talk about it. It's um, it's Dry Desert Sky from the iOS and Android game Two Dots. It's composed by Upright T-Rex, and this whole soundtrack is incredible. Very, very simple stuff. A lot of it's very playful. You know, this track has got a certain playfulness, but it's it's less playful than a lot of the soundtrack. It's just, I don't know anything about Upright T-Rex. I don't know, I mean, I, I don't know anything about Upright T-Rex whatsoever, but they did such a fantastic job with the soundtrack. I really feel like I need to go see what else they've done. Um, you haven't played, you don't really do mobile game though, do you? No, no, no. I, I have almost nothing other than like, you know, uh, I have almost nothing installed on my phone. I'll just leave it at that. Okay. I don't put anything on it. Okay. I don't know. I'm kind of like weird about like, I, I just assume every mobile app is like stealing all your data. So I, I have almost nothing on my phone. Okay. Well, look, if you're... <laughs> If you're going to err on one side, you're, you're definitely erring on the right side. Um, this game is kind of neat. It's it's kind of a play on connect the dots. You've got four different colors of dots and you're trying to clear them off. You know, and uh, you have to get a certain number of them within a certain number of turns to go on to the next level. It starts off really easy and it just, of course, gets harder and harder as you go. And... Um, I've never made it to this part of the game. This is this is way deeper into the game than I've ever gotten, but I love this track. I mean, this track, I know this is the first track of the episode, but this really might be my second favorite track of the entire episode. Okay. Um, I was, <clears throat> we had a channel one episode that releases the, uh, the day we're recording this. Uh, uh, we're recording this August 14th and uh, as of Friday the 12th, it wasn't done yet. So I stayed up till like four in the morning working on it. I, I absolutely hated myself yesterday and I'm still not 100% over it today. Um, but during the part where I didn't need to be listening, I just had this, this track that we're listening to now on repeat one while I was working. I don't know. I, I just feel like this track has a, is a great one to start an episode with. It's, it doesn't hit you with a bang. It just kind of glides you in. Like, well, yeah. Yeah. The first like 20 seconds sound like elevator music. And then it, it picks up a little. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, every, everyone who's been everyone who's been listening to the show for more than 10 minutes knows what a Hearts of Space fan I am. And to hear the beginning of this track, I'm like, you know, gosh, this really could be the way a, a Hearts of Space episode starts. And so, yeah, I don't, I mean, if, we, if you didn't know this was happening in a desert, would you necessarily think desert? I guess that's an interesting question. Uh, you know, I actually might. I would. I mean, I would. I would think nighttime for sure. Um, but I might. Yeah, I might think. Uh, I might. I get a little bit of desert out of this. Like, especially around like the, around like the one forty-five mark. Okay. I, I don't know. Hopefully, we're using the exact uh, timings here, but right around there, I, I feel like it has a little bit of a of a desert feel. Yeah, there's a certain the part where it gets a little more melodic over top. I guess has kind of a bit of a desert feel to it. And then, yeah, you come back to the beginning and you just got those gentle swells. And and then I guess the percussion, that real minimal, like one hit percussion, I guess that kind of gives a little bit of a desert vibe. The little fling kind of thing. Yeah. 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 
Anyway, I love this track. I love this track, and one of these days I want to get further into the game just so I can experience it in the game. Um, and I will be looking up Upright T-Rex, and hopefully by next episode I'll have more to say about him, or her, or them, about this person. Um, so, but yes, let's go. Let's move on. What's your first track of the day? Uh, so what? What is my first track of the day? Uh, I I picked a game I've not played, unfortunately. Um, Atelier Iris, Eternal Mana Two. This is a PlayStation Two RPG. Okay. Um, unfortunately, I got into the PlayStation Two a little bit late. Um, it was a system that launched around the time that I got married and had kids, so I was not playing a ton of games. And and I was also more of a GameCube fan around this time period too. Mm-hmm. So I was playing a lot of GameCube. Got the PlayStation Two kind of late, and you know, buying a system late is like the worst time to get into RPGs for the system. <laughs> they're going to be hundreds and hundreds of dollars. I haven't looked recently for what this one goes for. Um, but unfortunately, I, I not get into the series. I I do like the soundtrack though. Um, I have a, like a playlist of uh, town music that I typically listen to when I'm when I'm working, and one of these tracks happens to be a desert town. So I just uh, decided to pick it because it's a pretty catchy song. It's called Oasis Town. Uh, composer is a little fuzzy. It's a the, one of these team situations. So 81 Produce Incorporated is officially credited. Um, Yuko Kaneko is the lead of that group. Okay. So, um, yeah, let's uh, let's give that a listen.
So there it is, Oasis Town from, I hope I'm pronouncing it right, Atelier Iris 2. So I haven't looked it up. Uh, I'm guessing Atelier, but I don't know. Could be. Yeah, you're probably right. We can go on uh, Nintendo Life forums and argue about it. There. <laughs> that was a great callback. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the start of the start of this track definitely says desert to me. Yes. And, and and I think it's got you know, it's a little perkier maybe than you would associate with the desert town. Um, but I, 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 without playing it, it has this sort of like market feel to it. Like this must be a market town that you stumble into. So it's obviously around an oasis, so some pool of water out in the desert. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like this must be a place that has a lot of merchants. Yes, I get the same impression. You know, speaking of desert towns, um, last month when you and I did our best of 2020 slash 2021, it's funny, we, had, we only had five tracks overlap between the 50, but one of them was, it's not really a town, it's an oasis, but really it's one of my favorite pieces of music. It's... Um, Karakara Bazaar from Breath of the Wild. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I just that's that's one of my favorite locations in the whole game. I mean, it's it's really small um, as towns go. Because I, I guess it's not really a town. Mm -hmm. And it has that bizarre hotel where they sell like single arrows for absurd amounts of money. Like mm -hmm. I always I find that part of the town kind of funny. Um, but yeah, yeah, the music is very good there too. Um, I can't remember if we picked the day or night music, but they're both excellent there. Uh, we both did day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful piece of music. Uh, now you were talking about the PS2 getting into it late. Um, I actually have a funny story about my PS2. I got it on my 21st birthday. And the one I have is the same one. It's uh, last time I turned it on anyway, it worked. Um, that's been a little while. So maybe that's changed. But uh, earlier this year on my 42nd birthday, I realized, you know what? I've had this thing for exactly half my life. And so I took pictures of myself with it and posted on social media and got quite a reaction for that. Cause it's just like, like this thing I've, I have had this thing for the exact same amount of time that I have not had this thing. <laughs> it was just a really weird feeling. So, um, yeah. And you'd mentioned being a bigger GameCube fan. I, I would say GameCube was, and still is my favorite system of that generation. Yeah, it's, it's certainly the one I've played the most. Um, PS2 has the biggest backlog for me. so Of course. <laughs> you know, um, it, it's kind of hard because like the GTA games, like if I, if I did games per hour, I'd be like comparing the Zelda games on GameCube versus the GTA games on PS2. Okay. In terms of which ones I'd put more hours into. And probably the GTA games win just because they're much bigger games. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if, if it was like a desert island situation, which system I would take. If that's pretty tough. Yeah, yeah. It's it, but you know what? That's kind of a good curse to have when you have two systems where there are certain parts of the library that make it such a tough decision. You know, like like if we were to say, let's just go back to the two systems I keep putting against each other. If we were to compare the software library of the Super Nintendo and the Sega Genesis, I'd have to say that seven of the top 10 games for me would be Super Nintendo games, but the overall library, I would say the Genesis, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, that's, but that's when, that's when it's nice to just have both systems. Then you don't have to choose. Yeah. It's a, it's a pretty unrealistic scenario anyways. I suppose. <laughs> well, okay, I mean, then you think like, okay, I'm on desert Island. I've chosen my PS2. Now I don't have any place to plug it in. 
Yeah, right. It's, it's a very specific hypothetical situation where somehow you're able to play this system and store all the games from the library. In the in a desert island, yeah. 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 Now maybe, I, you know, when I think about it, so the Super Nintendo games all came in cardboard boxes, right? Mm-hmm. So the Sega Genesis games, do you get the clamshells for your island? Because that you could use to construct, like, a, a shelter at least. And maybe even a boat. I, I've never thought about the feasibility of using clamshells to build a boat until this moment. Okay. Maybe that's why the Genesis wins this one. Yes. Well, okay. That, okay. So that might be the, that actually might be the moment of the day talking about building, you know, like Sega Genesis is the better system for building a house out of or building a boat out of to escape a desert island. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, again, at a minimum, you could build a, a shelter with Sega Genesis boxes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I don't know. That just, you know, that sounds like the kind of silly question that's posed on social media from Retro Game Club. I just, I love yeah. this moment. Yeah. Like Sega CD would be a hard out because those cases disintegrate with any amount of stress placed on them. Oh, yes. So that one you, you definitely couldn't do. The only system that would rival the Genesis in terms of uh, Desert Island survivability would be the Neo Geo. Yeah. But the, the library's not that big. That's true, but each cartridge is big, so yeah. that, that's an offsetting thing. In the Genesis, you have like, I don't know, 400, 500 games? I, I don't know, a yeah. lot. It's like, I thought it was like seven or 800 games, but that just makes your point even stronger. Yeah, yeah. Neo Geo, it's I don't know, 100 games? I honestly don't know. It's higher, you know, I, you know what, I, okay, I'm, I'm just going to look it up real quick. Well, if I think about it, King of Fighters must have 300 games by itself. Just by so. itself. I was going to say, you, yeah. yeah. No, I would I would guess somewhere in, in about the 600 range. Uh, let's see. If the Wikipedia says it's, it's not making it apparent... I'm not going to kill a bunch of time with this. If I can't find it in the next okay. uh, 30 seconds or so, I'm giving up. 157. 157. Okay, so you were actually much closer to right than I would have been. And 147 of those are King of Fighters. <laughs> and Sega Genesis is 713. Okay, all right. Yeah, I knew it was somewhere. I was pretty sure it was somewhere in the 700 range. So... Okay, yeah, yeah, there we go, there we go. So if we ever find ourselves in a situation where we need to make a boat out of uh, video game boxes, it's Sega Genesis. Yeah, I think so, yeah. So. All right, track number three. Yes, well, so sticking with iOS and Android, we're going to play An Endless Desert from Alto's Odyssey, uh, composed by Todd Baker. So let's go ahead and, and check that out.
Okay, and that is an endless desert from Alto's Odyssey on iOS and Android. What does this track do for you? Uh, well, I was going to ask what type of game this is first. It it would be if you're going to overgeneralize, it would kind of be an endless runner. You're on a okay. like a, a kind of a, almost like a surfboard kind of thing, and you're going down these big desert slopes and all this stuff, doing jumps and all this kind of thing. Okay, so this does not sound like an action game. Not really. You know, this, this, this sort of sounds like, you know, it sounds like an RPG overworld more than an action game. See, it's what's so hard for me is I I know the context for this, so it's kind of hard for me to hear it outside of that context. Yeah. Um, let's see. What would I think it would be? Because this one, I don't know if this one really has that great. It's. I mean, I, I think it's a great track, but I don't know if it has a great desert vibe. Like, you could almost see this being snow. You could, yeah, because it has a little bit of a twinkle sound. Yeah, well, and Alto's Odyssey is a sequel to Alto's Adventure, which does take place in the snow. So... Yeah, now I understand the desert gets pretty cold at night, so you could... You could possibly, you know... It's a little too cheerful to be night music, though. Yeah. Yeah, and in the game, the time of day changes as you go, so you spend some time in the morning and the night with this music. So you get a little bit later into parts like this, and um, you start to get just a little bit of a desert vibe. The percussion, Yeah. you know. So... I don't know. It's a fun game. It's a fun game. It's a, it's a, a good way to kill a little bit of time. Um, make a little note here. So there we go. Yeah. Now this particular part sounds like you're in a house. No. Oh, the little p piano playing. Yeah. Yeah. This, this sounds like you've now entered someone's home, possibly in the desert. <laughs> Yeah, you know, this this piece of music has so many different moods that it takes you through. So it's like you could invent, you you hear this track and you don't know what it means, you could invent like an entire story. I mean, like this, it parts of it almost kind of sounds like it's quoting a bunch of different pieces of music, kind of like one of your uh, soundtrack summaries that you've shared before. Yeah, yeah, like where the ending credits do like a montage of all the game music. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, you're just boogie boarding through the sand. Yeah, this does not sound like boogie boarding at all. <laughs> it is a fun game, though. So anyone listening to this who hasn't played it, you know, it's worth playing. I think the next track, I think your next track is probably the, of all the tracks in this episode, is probably the one that's the most stereotypically desert because it has... <laughs> It, no, really, it, I like, yeah, yeah. you know, if, if we're going to go for like a capture a desert vibe, I think your next track is is the winner. Why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, well, I think it's also the most movie sounding uh, sound uh, music. Oh, for sure. Uh, I went with Uncharted 3, um, Atlantis of the Sands. So Uncharted 3, um, I played this, I don't know, a year or two ago. Um, maybe not the strongest in this series, but overall the Uncharted series is, is really good and I... Uh, I was a little surprised to find we hadn't featured any Uncharted so songs before. Um, 
maybe again I don't pick them because they sound so much more like a movie soundtrack than a game soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is from late in the game, and the composer they list multiple composers. I don't know which one actually composed this one. Um, maybe somewhere on the internet does. Uh, but the credits for the game are Greg Edmondson, Azam Ali, J.D. Meyer, and Clint uh, Bonjakan. Which I probably butchered. <laughs> That's okay. Apologies. That's okay. Uh, he'll forgive us, I'm sure. Yes. He will never listen. But yes, well, actually, I hope he does. If you're listening, thank you. Um, but yeah, this is Atlantis of the Sands, and this is on PS3, PS4, and PC. Alright, Uncharted 3, Atlantis of the Sands. A lot of this game is set in the desert. Um, I'll just, I'm not going to spoil the plot. And, and this is also late in the game, so I guess I should be careful not to, to spoil what's happening at this point in the game either. Uh, but at this point, I've played every Uncharted game except the one on Vita, which I should just go ahead and buy sometime. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I have... All three of the PS3 plus the PS Vita games. I don't have the PS4 one, um, but I played like the first hour of each game just to get a feel for what how it looks and how it feels, and then I put them down so I could 
play through the series in order. And I got, I don't know, I got five hours, maybe five or six hours into the first one, and then we stalled out. Okay. So that's like halfway through. These games aren't very long. Yeah, that's true. Maybe maybe I need to make it a point to to finally get around to really experiencing them because I know they're 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 fantastic. I just never got around to it. Are these games uh, a lot of PlayStation games are PlayStation exclusive for the first year or two, and then they come to PC? Do you, as far as you know, are the uh, Uncharted games available on PC? I believe I thought they were all on PC. Okay. I wonder. I wonder if they're on Steam. Um, there's another one I just played this year, uh, Uncharted Lost Legacy, which is to the the lead on it is a side character from one of the other games, and and that is really good too. It's um, seems to be the same game engine as Uncharted Four. Um, this is maybe the shortest of all the games. Okay. Although it although it has one. It has one part where you actually get to do a lot more free exploration than you do in the other games. You know, the games are usually pretty linear. And, and that one has a segment where you are you have a, a bit of a map that you can choose what order to do things in. So there's Uncharted Legacy of Thieves collection uh, that will be releasing later this year on Steam. And that's probably four or five games, I assume. Well, hopefully, um, you know, maybe I'll maybe I'll use it to kickstart uh, a little more frequent use of the Steam Deck. Oh, it's gonna be Windows only. Don't worry. Well, yes, but if there's Proton <laughs> compatibility for it, then it'll work. I mean, you know, I, I, something something like eighty percent of Windows games are playable on Linux because of Proton, but only like. 1% of them or 5% of them are native Linux. So um, so if there's a Proton layer for it, then I'll, I'll do that. Anyway, um, I love this track. I love all the places it goes. Yeah, my favorite part of this track is the kind of Lawrence Arabia part with the, the kind of soaring strings, you know. I, uh, that's the most, the, that's the most Hollywood part of this whole thing, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, it doesn't sound like... I mean, it really does sound like a movie, not a game. Yeah, yeah, and and again, these are sort of... I mean, they're kind of like Indiana Jones movies. Mm -hmm. Um, I would actually argue that the Uncharted games, story-wise, are better than all the Indiana Jones movies, except maybe the first one. Um, It's been controversial, but (laughs) I don't know, maybe... Um, on my other podcast, I was pretty down on Temple of Doom recently when, when that came up. Oh, discussion. that's... Okay. All right. Th- that's a movie where, like, as a kid, I thought it was awesome. And if I try to watch it now, I'm just like, oh, wow. That is... That is... This is bad. I, um... It's... It seems like it wasn't that long ago I watched it and enjoyed it. What I need to do is I need to watch the first one again. Because I haven't seen the first one since I was so young that... I don't remember it. I mean, mm. of course, the the references, you know, the the reaching for the tr- the like the idol on the pedestal and then running from the boulder. I mean, that's I only know that stuff because I see it referenced other places. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You should watch the first. The first one's I think holds up pretty well. Okay. Um, Temple of Doom I think does not hold up at all. I okay. I, I'm sorry if that's controversial to anyone, but 
I was, I tried watching a little bit of that again, and I was like, wow, this is actually pretty bad. Well, I'll have to watch it again. Because, uh, like I said, it seems like it wasn't that long ago I saw it and I liked it, but I'm not offended by the concept of it. someone not liking that movie. You know, I don't have a vested interest in it or anything, so... Um, anyway, anyway, yes, I, I, I do hope to, uh, especially if they work on Steam Deck, I do hope to uh, finally get to really experience the Uncharted games beyond like the first five hours of the first game. Um, and I know I'll be really excited when I start hearing this music if I, if I do that. So, um, but speaking of movies and games... My next track is a game that's based on a book that has also had, like, what, two, three movies based on it now? Uh, I know I can name two off the top of my head, so it probably means there's three. Right, right, yep. Uh, so it's it's Dune. And this is going to be the PC version using the AdLib sound chip. We're going to hear Dune Variation, and it's composed by Stefan Peek. Thank you. 
Okay, and that's a Dune variation from Dune on PC AdLib, composed by Stefan Peek. We this is easily the darkest part of our episode yeah. today. Yeah, you could have told me this was like from a Halloween themed game or, mm-hmm. or a horror game. I would have believed it just as much. You know, I don't know why, but when I hear that first part, I think more like um, like the Borg. Okay. You know, I don't know. Um, yeah, see, I'm thinking like abandoned um, refinery or something. Okay. Which you could find in a desert. You could, yeah. Yeah. Um, now, see, the thing that's unfortunate is I, I'm well acquainted with this music, but I've never played this game. Um, like, I think I might just take a second to look up a picture of it. I want to say it's... Um, I don't know why I'm... In the lack of knowledge, I'm, I'm kind of getting like a Minecraft feel out of it. Yeah, I mean, I'm familiar with the... Um, I, I, I wouldn't be the right term, real-time strategy mm-hmm. game. Um, I assumed that's what this was. Um, I, I'm not a huge real-time strategy fan, so I haven't uh, haven't played it more than a, a minute or two. Um, and I guess, I think I hit... Do I have this on Sega CD? Do I have... That's, that's going to be a different soundtrack. Uh, so looking at the, looking at pictures, I, it looks like I was right. It's an RTS, so like a like a Minecraft or a Starcraft kind of thing. Well, like wait, not like Minecraft. Not Minecraft. Jeez. Okay, I'm keeping that in. That's funny. Warcraft. Uh, Warcraft. Yes. Thank yes. you. <laughs> wow, we confused Warcraft and Minecraft in the episode today. Well, you know, I gave you a. a, a little, I thought maybe it was a building game of some sort <laughs> no well yeah you're building i suppose you're building bases and turrets and building an army and all that stuff but no you're not crafting food out of uh out of like Ball parchment or whatever and, yeah or whatever you do yeah yeah wow i can't believe i said minecraft that's really funny that's really funny i'm gonna leave that in um well, okay, so so now that I'm seeing pictures of this game and I'm hearing this music, it actually feels really appropriate. Really, Because, you know, you look at the original Warcraft, and if you go for the, not the MIDI version, but the MS-DOS, or the, I'm sorry, the AdLib version of the soundtrack, it really sounds a lot like this. Yeah, I'd have to compare it to, like, the Sega CD version or some of the other remakes to see how much they kept. That is a good question. You know, whether it's, I mean, obviously it's going to be a different arrangement, but is it going to be the same compositions? Yeah. Yeah, and stuff like Monkey Island on, on Sega CD, it's the same as the PC soundtrack, basically. Okay. Um, so I don't I don't know. I have to go back and... Uh... It's been a long time since I played it, so... Again, because it's not really my style of game, but yeah, this has DOS, Amiga, and Sega CD versions. And I, I, bet, this, I bet the Amiga version sounds pretty good, too. I'm looking at the looking at the Sega CD soundtrack here. Dune variation. Let's see. It is the same composition, and it sounds like it's. Uh... Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. It's um, so it's it's using it's not using CD audio. It's using Sega Genesis audio. Oh, so yeah, so, so it's, it's probably a port of the Amiga version then. It well, it's a very close port of the Amiga version to CD. 
Well, so if you've ever if you've ever compared the um, the ad lib sound chip against the Sega Genesis sound chip, it's really interesting. They're both Yamaha FM, so they're very similar, mm-hmm. but their differences are are important too. It's um, like the the ad lib has more channels, but it can only do two operator, you know, two operator FM, whereas the Genesis is four operator, but only six channels. So from what I heard, I didn't listen very long, but from what I heard uh, just previewing this YouTube video, the Genesis, or well, the Sega CD version sounds more complex. Oh, much more complex. Yeah, I think this the Sega CD version is better. If I had known if I had known this had existed, I would have used the Sega CD version in the episode instead of this one. Um. Well, cool. Now I know what to put in a future Face Off Friday episode. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I, I don't know for sure, but I would assume the Sega CD version was probably a source port of the Amiga version. That makes that, sense. That would, be, that would be the most likely one. Um, although the sound chip on on the Amiga is quite a bit different, so I, I'm not sure. You can you can convert like Amiga mod files to play on Sega Genesis, so um, it's possible they it's derived from the, the Amiga soundtrack, but I, I don't know for sure. Yeah, who knows? Um, I mean, it, it the YouTube, I mean, the it certainly sounds much more like the Genesis version, or the, I'm sorry, the uh, the arcade, or geez, the PC version. Of course, you know, we're talking a Yamaha FM chip versus a Yamaha FM chip, so there's going to be a lot of similarities no matter what. Um, but yeah, I, I yeah, I don't know, but I would imagine you're right, because the, the architecture of the Genesis and the Amiga are so similar that it would be the most logical jump-off point. All right, let's... Um, my next track is not a very deserty track um, but it is from a desert planet which is why I picked it uh, going back to the original fantasy star this is Motavia which is the desert planet and the composer is uh, Tokohiko Uwabo okay you think I got that right I do you're, you're okay you're better with Japanese names than, than I am uh, yeah yeah Tokohiko Uwabo yes and uh, let's fire that up
right, so that is Desert Planet Motavia from the original Fantasy Star. Which, uh, if you played the later games, you play Fantasy Star 2, it's no longer Desert Planet. So that could be confusing to people. It's been terraformed by the second game. Oh, they terraformed Mot Motavia? Yeah, yeah, because the first, the Fantasy Star 2, it's the starting planet, which is now not a desert. Okay. Um, that's kind of the, the point, is that the planet's been terraformed, and suddenly monsters are appearing in the, you know, great um, AI that controls all the terraforming seems to have gone rogue. Okay. Because I've but, played almost all the way through Fantasy Star 1. I think I'm... I think I'm just a few chapters away from the final battle in Fantasy Star 1, so I've, I'm definitely familiar with where this is happening in the game. Yeah. But, like, I think I only played, like, the first five minutes of Fantasy Star 2, so I, I, I never I never made the connection. Yeah, uh, the map is different. It's not... It just, the, the terraforming completely changed the map of the planet. Okay. Um, and it, there's the ice planet, and, you know, you visit that in Fantasy Star 2 and 4... And the map's completely different in all three games. So they, they don't really make any effort to preserve the map uh, of these worlds, but that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. Um, what a fun, lighthearted track. Yeah. It's funny, we, we just... We went from the most Hollywood... We went from the least desert to the most Hollywood to the darkest to the probably the bounciest, happiest one of the day. Yeah. Yeah, it was just hard for me to um, not include this song because... Um, you know, when you play the game, you just picture desert when you hear this song, even though nothing about the song really sounds like desert. Yeah, in a vacuum, this could almost be, this could just as much be a shopping mall as a desert. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's a good track. It's a good track. It's fun. It's, you know, um, one of the things I love about the Master System soundtrack is it. It's so basic, but that basicness comes off as a cleanness and kind of a purity and a, mm -hmm. everything is so sing-songy on the master system. Have you ever, have you ever experienced uh, what I will call false nostalgia? Something that you never had back in the day, you don't discover mm -hmm. it till years, maybe decades later, and yet it instantly, it gives you just as powerful nostalgia as the real thing. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, lately I've been trying to go back and catch up on 80s horror films that I missed when they were new. Okay. Um, you know, because I was not old enough to go see an R-rated movie by myself for most of the 80s. Sure. Um, wait, maybe all the 80s. Uh, I did some math here. Well, whatever the case. <laughs> um, I've, I've been going back and, and catching up on some of those. So these are movies that were, like, you know, in the theater for a week and weren't big enough to get any kind of, like, um home distribution, like maybe it was in a rental store, I don't know, but I probably wasn't allowed to rent it. Um, so I've, I've been catching up on those because, you know, there's a lot of horror things being filmed today that are set in the 80s, but it's just not the same as something actually filmed in the 80s. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and a lot of those films really give you that, that false nostalgia, yeah. Okay. Well, one of the biggest uh, false nostalgia generators for me is listening to music from the Master System. Okay. You know, you didn't, you, never didn't, you didn't have a master system back in the day. I got my master system in the summer of 1998. It was the summer right after I graduated high school. Okay. Um, and at one point, I had known there was an 8-bit Sega. Uh, I remember seeing the white boxes in the stores, you know, at Target or whatever. 
But by the time 1998 had come around, I had forgotten all about the master system. And so when my friend Tanya gave me her master system, um, I was like, holy crap, this is the, this is the NES of Sega. You know, like that felt like a big thing to me, you know, it's like, cause I had, I had forgot, this is before the internet really, you know, so there wasn't things out there to remind you about it. I just had forgotten about it, but, but yeah, um, playing master system games, listening to master system music, it takes me back to, um, one of, one of the malls in town, you know, uh, what the way the mall was like in the eighties, doing the things that we did in the eighties and nineties at the mall, you know, even mm -hmm. it's, but it feels like the feeling is just as strong as if it were real. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of nostalgia, and this time real nostalgia, um, our next track is from a game that I, I have been playing since the early 90s, and that is Level 3 from Tetris on the CDI, composed by Jim Andron.
Okay, and that's level three from Tetris on the CDI. Hugh, have you ever had a chance to play the CDI Tetris game? Uh, no, I mean, I own a CDI, but I don't have Tetris for it, so I, I've not played this. It's um, it's actually pretty good. I mean, it's it's a it's a decent port as a game, um, but it's pretty good as a visual audiovisual presentation. You basically play on the monolith on the surface of the monolith from two thousand one. <laughs> Right, <laughs> you know, and and you're and it's just it just will be in the middle of like a forest or a desert or by a waterfall or whatever, and you're playing Tetris on it. But you've got it's um minimally animated backgrounds, so like the rivers running past it, you know, or the waterfalls falling, and you've got this kind of beautiful new age music like what we're hearing here. And I said I've been playing this since the um, since the early '90s. There's um there are a couple couple gentlemen in my life that I am not uh, related to but was raised with them as as uncles and you know as the parent of adopted children I know that sometimes blood is not thicker than water you know and so these guys are uncles as far as I'm concerned right uh, Chris and Steve but they uh, they had a CDI and they had this great big uh, console TV they had a fireplace they had this like Bose sound system it was just just this incredible experience we'd go over to their house and have dinner and then sit around and play a CDI for like three hours before it was time to go home. And so, you know, and at the time it seemed so, you know, in retrospect, knowing what we do now, there are many ways in which the CDI doesn't even, doesn't even compete with the, the current or the Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis. But there are so many ways that it, you know, it's multimedia capabilities are so far ahead. So mm-hmm. games like this really seemed like next gen, you know, Especially on like the really great TV and sound system and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm looking at some play footage of it here, and I mean, it, it's interesting what they did. I think it's kind of like poor use of screen space because like the the play field of Tetris is pretty small. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and the person playing Tetris in this one video I found is really making some bad choices. It's, <laughs> it's kind of frustrating to watch. <laughs> Well, I, I, I'm in no position to judge. <laughs> yeah. Um, this, yeah, I, I, I would definitely, if I ever had to compete against someone in Tetris, I would pick the person that made this video. <laughs> That's great. What, what, what is, I, I don't understand what they, oh yeah, wow, this, they are really bad at Tetris. Yeah, I... I'm in no position to judge, but in any case, I, I just love the presentation of this version of the game. Yeah, you're right. The screen space isn't, is, is really small, but they were going for more of an aesthetic, you know? I mean, this is, yeah. remember we, we've talked in previous episodes about the early days of CD-ROM and multimedia and people yeah, yeah. having a no, better- I appreciate, Yeah, I appreciate the effort. Like I'd like people experimenting with things in, in this early CD era. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah. I just think it's it's weird how small the the Tetris space is versus the animated background, but I guess they were trying to sell more of the experience, you know, around the, the backgrounds and oh yeah, stock footage than they were playing Tetris. Yeah, well, totally. It's it. You know, you buy the sizzle, you get the steak for free. Yeah, you know. I mean, I know, but but uh, it's like I said in the early days of CD-ROM, people had a better grasp of what they could do than what they should do. But it still resulted in some of these really great experiences like this. 
Um, you know, when we got our Sega, when we, when we got our CDI in 2003, we had just bought a house that was literally around the corner from the house that Chris and Steve lived in at the time. So I could look out my front window and see their back deck. And uh, the TV I was playing it on is actually the same TV. This is around the same time that uh, Chris and Steve upgraded to the their first flat panel. And so they gave me the old console. And it's actually the same TV that I have in my game room in the basement right now. So when I play CDI Tetris, I'm playing it on the same TV I did back in the 90s. Um, anyway, what do you think of this track? I mean, we've talked about everything about everything about this except for the music. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is. It this definitely. I mean, if, if I didn't know what this was, I would have said Desert Game. Um, mm-hmm. It has those old West, maybe not, maybe not old West, but kind of Western feel to it. Um, reminds me a little bit of um, It Came from the Desert, which okay. I resisted the urge to pick a song from um mostly because in hindsight this the songs from that game are not really that good but this would fit in it came from the desert very well okay yeah there's something about the i'm trying to i'm listening carefully i'm trying to think i don't think that is an actual guitar i think that's a synthesized guitar yeah. But the little guitar melody there. Um, that's where most of the desert feel comes from, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what a great piece of music, though. I really... I actually had a chance to talk to Jim Andron once. It, it wasn't a really long conversation, but... Um, you know, I thanked him for what he did. I asked him what he was up to, and... So... If I talk to him again, I'll let him know that we've featured him a bunch of times. What, what circumstances did you meet him? Well, I didn't meet him in person. I, I found him on Facebook and messaged him. Oh, okay. Okay. That, yeah. that makes more sense. Yeah. Um, well, so what's your next track? What is my next track? Um, oh, yeah. So uh, uh, predictably, I uh, picked a track from uh, Sorcerian. Uh, composer Yuzo Koshiro. I mean, it's credited Falcom Sound Team, but he was the. Uh, this was the era where Yuzo Koshiro was literally the only member of said Sound Team. Mm-hmm. And this is called the Cursed Oasis um, slash Desert, and I picked the PC88 version. Although there are many variations of this, like on PC Engine, um, even on Dreamcast. Okay. But I decided to go back to like the PC-88, which would be like the original composition for it. Okay. All right. Let's give it a listen.
All right, Sorcerian. Um, I think I forgot to mention there's also a Sega Genesis version of this. Um, this has been ported a lot. I think it just got a another port, but in Japan only, like a possibly mobile edition. Okay. Um, but yeah, kind of. It's it's not. You know, in the U.S., it got kind of a small release, and it's maybe not the most um, friendly of, of Falcom's early games. Great soundtrack, but maybe not one that you would want to play a lot. You know, if they um, if they did a Genesis version of this, I imagine that this track would sound virtually the same. Yeah, it's pretty close. Well, because you know that. Um, you know that Yuzo, he never, he never ever programmed music on the Genesis. He always did it on the PC 98 or 88 and then just ported it over because uh, the, the sound chips were so similar that 99% of that code just carried over. Yeah. So Cursed Oasis. Let's see if I can find it real quick here. I'm not finding it in this playlist. I guess I won't worry about it right now. They probably yeah, have it, it might, under a different It may name. have a different name. Yeah. Some, sometimes the names get um, um, modified when they're uh, translated and, and so on. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, I could, I could probably have a copy of the Dreamcast version of this, but we don't need to get into that right now. Yeah, yeah. We won't worry about it right now. Um, so... You said this would be a difficult, uh, a difficult game for a newcomer to get into. Why don't you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the a lot of their early games are, you know, sort of arbitrarily difficult, and they hadn't quite worked out all the all the mechanics. I mean, they were they did a lot of early like um, action RPG style games, and maybe didn't get that formula down well for for a while. I mean, no one was really doing this style of game. Um, exceptionally well at the time, I, I, I suppose. Um, you know, think of like Zelda 2, right? Like mm -hmm. uh, Zelda 2, I think, is a great game, but there's a lot of things that are kind of broken in it. Mm -hmm. um, in later Zelda games, that, that changed the perspective. You know, Zelda 3 or Adventure of uh, Link to the Past, right? Went back to the, the style of the first game. But by like Ocarina of Time, you know, you would you would have completely reinvented how Zelda played, and it was a lot a lot better than their first attempt to, to reinvent it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the side-scrolling, like, action RPGs just were were very, very difficult. I mean, if you played, like, East 3, right, that's a little bit later than this, um, it's an extremely hard game. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's that's just the, the main thing. If you played, like, um, it was called Legacy of the Wizard in the U.S., right? Mm -hmm. um, kind of the same, same issue. It's just... It, it's a neat game, kind of... Um, some good ideas there, but really, really difficult. Okay. And and that's kind of the, the issue with, with a lot of the early um, early Falcom games is they're just really, really hard. Um, and, and again, it comes from a time where maybe you didn't like have a Steam backlog of a thousand games. So <laughs> you would just keep working on, on it until you got through the game. Right. Right. 
Yeah, they 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 had to be they kind of had to be harder by necessity because there was so much less content. And not only less content within the game itself, but less content with other games to fall back on. Yeah. 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 I do love this track. I, um and I can I can you know, I guess would I think this would I think this was desert if I didn't know? Probably not. No, I think I would think more like this. Almost sounds more like um, a church you go into to save your game. Yeah, it, it does sound like that. It is similar to a church theme that is isn't one of the East games. Now I think about it. Okay. Same composer. I mean, same same composer, same um, equipment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At the time. Uh, and this soundtrack is one you can listen to it on you can, the whole soundtrack's on Spotify too. You know, they're this one of the only developers that puts all their stuff out. Nice. I think the well, the Uncharted games are all on Spotify also, I believe. Yeah, I think I haven't been actively watching, but I think that we're starting to see some more games make it over. Like it's becoming less niche, I think, to have that uh, on yeah. Spotify. Well, so um Two episodes back during our Super Kawaii episode, we featured a piece or two from Kalen Bowen. And I looked him up on Spotify and his like all of his work is there. So, you know, I've got my liked song playlist and I'll listen to it. I'll I'll be listening to kind of space music or or lo-fi hip hop or jazzy music or, you know, whatever. And then all of a sudden this super quirky, bouncy piece of video game music comes on. You know. Catches me off guard sometimes, actually. Anyway, um, Anything else you want to say about this track before we go on? Uh, no, no, let's, let's move on. Okay. So my track, my next track is called Third Confluence from the game Journey on multiple platforms, although I think it was mostly thought of as a PlayStation thing, composed by Austin Wintery. So let's check that out.
Okay, and that's Third Confluence from Journey. Um, what does this track do for you, Hugh? Well, this one does have a desert feel. It specifically kind of feels like you're like you found a, a some nomads that you are are hooking up with, right? Like you're on a on a, on a exploration of some sort, and it's nightfall, and you found like um, a group to camp with for the night. Mm-hmm. That's that's what it sounds like to me. Like nighttime camping in the desert. Yes, with, with nomads and their various you know pack animals. To be very specific. <laughs> yes, I can get I can get that vibe. Have you yeah. have you played Journey? No, I, nope. Are you at least familiar with it? Like, have you seen pictures of it and stuff? Um, it will probably turn out that I have, but no, I'm not familiar with it. Okay. I'm not playing. Now, of it. course, this part is where it stops sounding like camping, but yeah. Well, that's where you break camp. Yeah. Um. So I have not played Journey, but it's been on my okay. radar for years. Um, I've seen it. I've seen pictures of it. I've seen little bits of footage of it. It looks like a great game. A great game. In fact, I'm going to take a second to see if it's on Steam, which I'm sure it is. Yeah, see, the, the thing that messed me up is when I saw this on the track list, I immediately thought of the um, 1983 arcade game. Oh, <laughs> based on the band? Yeah, based on the band. Okay. You know, I have that on a tar- uh, the uh, 2600. I have Journey Escape on 2600. Yeah, well, there's Journey, and then there's Journey Escape. Um, they're, they're different games. Okay. Um, I think Journey Escape is probably the one more people have seen. Weird. It looks like Journey's not available on Steam. It's not turning up anyway. Oh, there it is. Okay. $14. Verified on Steam Deck. I'm at least going to add it to the wish list. Maybe I can finally experience this game that's supposed to be such an amazing experience. You know, that's the thing I feel so bad about. Um, Let me see. One, two, three. Oh, never mind. I guess there's only like two games on, on today's episode that I haven't played. But it's like... This is the time where we need to talk about the game and neither one of us know anything about neither it. Play, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I'm busy looking at the arcade game that is not this game. Okay. Um, the impression I get from looking at pictures and from the, what I've picked up from hearing people talk about it is it's one of those indie games where you just go exploring and kind of learning about about yourself through this game kind of thing. You know, like, uh, okay. have you played Gree? It's spelled no. Gris, G-R-I-S, but I think yeah, it's I know, I know the game, but yeah, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's I I don't know this, but I have a feeling that this game is reminiscent of that game. Okay. So. So, and that was an interesting game. I did play that one. That was a pretty pretty enjoyable game. Um, so. I do like that this one really does sound like an actual piece of desert music. That's something we've been in and out of this whole episode. Uh, real nice ambient. This is another one that would 
work just fine in a Hearts of Space episode. I don't know if I have anything else to say about it, though. Mm-hmm. So do you want to go to your next one? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go with um, Gerudo Desert from Twilight Princess. Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess. There's many songs called Gerudo Desert. And I uh, didn't want to go back to Breath of the Wild and didn't want to use the original. Um, I like the original. I just wanted to do something a little bit different. Mm-hmm. So this is the version you would hear on GameCube, Wii, or Wii U. Well, Wii U, I guess, is a little bit different, but not drastically different. Um, you know, composers uh, Toru uh, Minigishi, Asuka uh, Hayazaki, and Koji Kondo. Thank you. 
right, Gerudo Desert, the Twilight Princess remix, which, you know, borrows upon themes of the original, um, but it doesn't copy it straight up, right? It it's, feels like it's something inspired by the original game. Mm-hmm. Um, feels much more cold and, and spooky and, and desert-like, really, to me. Well, I mean, Gerudo Desert, Gerudo Desert was, in, in Old Grim Time, you know, you think more of the town, you know, you think of mm-hmm. a populated area. In Gerudo Desert, Twilight Princess, it's really more of a wasteland. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, then again, Twilight Princess was a much darker game. I, I think yeah. I think Majora's Mask is probably the darkest Zelda game with Twilight Princess hot on, you know, yeah. close second. Yeah, yeah. So... But then you have those moments of ridiculousness uh, to, to kind of bring a little joy to an, over, an overwhelmingly dark situation, you know, like have Malo Mart. Right. <laughs> like that's, in my opinion, that's one of the most un-Zelda sounding pieces of music outside of the CDI. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it fits really well though. I mean, it's, it, it's hilarious. That, that That's a hilarious store. And um, the whole idea of this baby that like buys out another chain of stores is pretty funny. Yes, and then you have all these people in there just dancing and just being crazy and all the, it's like brilliantly well lit and all this stuff. Yeah, it's just, you know, even even what parts of the joke that are lost in translation for us, um, it's still, you just still, it's, you, you at least smile big whenever you go to Malamart. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I wish it was a real store. I know. <laughs> yes. And then the whole trope about the baby being the voice of reason or the, the mature one or whatever. That's 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 certainly been done a bunch of other places, but it's still it's still really fun when they do that. Um this track, this track itself, it yeah, it's it captures some of that desolateness. It definitely captures the desert feel. Yeah, yeah. Like if I didn't know what this was, I would still think desert. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple other... You know, Twilight Princess, the music in general is very good at capturing the area. You know, the mm-hmm. the Zora's Domain feels like a watery area musically. And mm-hmm. there's the Wild West showdown. And, you know, the riding at night definitely sounds like riding at night. Mm-hmm. So I, I think they did a great job with the soundtrack overall. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's... I mean, it's up against some really stiff competition. The Zelda music is always good. But it... It's up there. It's up there. It's a contender for my favorite Zelda soundtrack. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, so anything else you want to say about this music or this game? No, no. I mean, I'll probably... I don't know if I'll go back to this game for all, but I'll probably do, like, if we... I feel like I'll do more Skyward Sword stuff at some point in the future, because that... We talk about, like, contender for best Zelda soundtrack. I, I kind of go towards Skyward Sword. That's a really good one too. And there's a piece, there's a part of the game. Um, it's been long enough ago. I think it's been like 2011 was the last time I played through that game. Um, but there's this part where you've got the 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 skeleton of the dragon with the flashy yeah. eyes, and that I know the music is different, but I'm this music's making me think of that part of the that game too. It was either Christmas or my birthday. Some, uh, I think it was my parents. I'm not sure. Someone gave me the uh, Switch Remaster for uh, Skyward Sword, and I and I I never played it because I oh it's Christmas because I also got Shimigami Tensei Five and I had started down that road. Um, I really need to bust that out. Yeah. 
Yeah, I haven't played it either because one of my kids like borrowed it and I don't know if they lost it or something. I have to go find out. <laughs> well, anyway, um, so my next track will be the second time this episode that we're hearing from the Tet uh, Tetris franchise. And this is going to be the latest game in the series. This is Tetris Effect Connected. And the, the area is called Deserted Lunar Discourse because it starts out in a desert and ends up on the surface of the moon. Um, but you do, you do spend some time in the desert. So it still is that it still applies. It still works. Um, the composer, I don't know anything about the composer, whether it's a person or a team, they simply go by high Delic. but anyway, it's a great track. Let's go ahead and check it out.
Okay, and that is Deserted Lunar Discourse from Tetris Effect Connected. Have you have you played Tetris Effect? No, no, it's unfortunately a theme here. Um, <laughs> have not played it, no. Okay. Is it Tetris with some new stuff? Well, the g- gameplay-wise, it's just perfectly Tetris. You know, I don't really think there's anything... Well, the only thing that's kind of... This can't be the first Tetris game that's done it. But you can you can bank a block. And bring okay. it out later. I, I think from a gameplay perspective, that's the only part that's really new. But the backgrounds are beautifully animated. Um, very kind of tug on the emotions. And they interact with what's what you're doing in the game. You know, like the moving and dropping blocks will make a different sound in each level that makes sense with what's happening in the music. You know, so like the actual gameplay is part of the music. And okay. uh, lots of beautiful colors, lots of explosion, you know, color explosions. And then uh, different parts of the... Um, different parts of the uh you get so many you get so many rows and then the music changes a little bit the background image changes a little bit uh so just it's this building thing and then until you get to the end of the level it's it's uh it's it's hard to describe otherwise but it's it's easily my favorite i mean i think we finally have one that i actually like better than cdi tetris okay um, and if you now, anyone who has like Xbox Xbox Game Pass, it's it's free to play on Game Pass. And if you have a Series X and a 4K TV, you know you get it in 4K, and it's just beautiful, absolutely beautiful. A thing to turn the lights off to and just play till it's bedtime. Yeah, I guess I'll have to. Uh, is it on anything else? What else is it on? It's on pretty much everything else. In fact, okay. it's it's available on the Switch. Oh, okay. Well, then I could definitely play it. Yeah. Yeah, you could. Yep. Uh, and I really recommend it. I really recommend it. I mean, you know, with it being Tetris, the play is immediately familiar, but the exp- the audiovisual experience is like nothing else I've ever experienced. It's just fantastic. And as I said, at this track, uh, this level, you start out in a desert. Uh, you're zoomed way out. You see this caravan kind of wa- making their way through the desert. And then you get to a certain point in in progressing through the level, and all of a sudden you're on the surface of the moon. And the connection they're making is the 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 yellow sand of the desert to the white sand of the moon. They're okay. kind of both big sand areas, you know. So I can't... My, my ability to describe it doesn't do it justice. You know, you and, and the listeners will just have to see what I'm talking about. Um, but I think that's all I have to say. Um, I think we're about, I think we're due for probably one of our biggest departures of the entire episode. Uh, yeah, I guess so. This is, um, where did I leave off? I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. No, I like was trying to find the pause button on the, the player here. Um, give me just one second. I'm sorry, I lost track of what I. Oh, no worries. Oh, okay. All right, I'm back. Sorry. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, this is probably like the least likely song for me to pick because it seems like not the genre of game I typically pick from or or style of music but 
when I was thinking about Desert, I was thinking about um, a game I, I really... I, I won't say I played it for the first time recently, but, like, I played it seriously. Like, I'm going to actually play through this game uh, for the first time recently, and that's uh, Cruisin' USA. Okay. Right? Um, which I maybe had played once or twice sometime in the past, but I, I really um, recently made an effort to try and, and play through more of the game. Um, I like the premise. It's like Outrun, but with more locations and scenery. Mm-hmm. Because um, yeah, the idea is you're, you're driving all the way across the country. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I picked a track from Cruisin' USA. This is called Deadwood Ride, which, um, of course, is through the desert. And the composer is Vince Pontarelli. Sounds like someone from Happy Days. Well, maybe it was Happy Days for him while he was making the game. I, I suspect it was Happy Days when he got the paycheck. Yes. <laughs> yes, okay. <laughs> all right, uh, let's give that a listen. Cruisin' USA. This is a, a really fun racing game. Have you played it? Hmm. Of course. I um. I don't know if I ever owned the N64 version. Actually, you know what? Maybe I do. Maybe I maybe I own it right now. I, I'd have to look. Um. But I absolutely played it many times. 
the arcade version, the N64 version. Speaking of which, have you played the the new one, Cruisin' Blast, the one that just came out like last year or the year before? Nope, nope. I think that's why I wanted to go back and try the series, though, because I remember, you know, I played them a little bit, and I remember thinking they were pretty good, but didn't, you know, just didn't get into them. Never got around to to really playing the series more than, you know, firing it up for a few seconds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it, I think it holds up really well. I mean, if you were an early Nintendo 64 owner, you, you didn't have a lot of games to choose from. And this this was a fairly early one, and you know, it, would, it wouldn't be a disappointment to have it. And it's a pretty reasonably faithful port of the arcade game. If you look at the two side by side, you can tell that they're not the same, and the N64 is making compromises. You know, the arcade version is the better version, but if, if you don't have them side by side, you'd be really hard-pressed to see the differences because it's so close. I think the more interest, the most interesting difference is the soundtracks. And this is, I, I like this uh, N64 version of this track better than the arcade version. Yeah, yeah, I, I, um, I guess I didn't listen to the arcade version much. Well, it's, I guess for, for lack of a better way to put it, the arcade version is technically better. It has bigger sound samples, you know, it sounds more like a real guitar, you know. Um, this sounds more like like super duper super duper Nintendo, I'll call it. You know, uh, like just a, a little bit better Super Nintendo. But um, but in the case of this track, I like the N sixty four rendition better because the arcade one is a little more all over the place. You know, this one's kind of more tighter and focused, more focused. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um. Well, you really do need to play the new the new uh, Cruisin' Blast. It. It feels. It looks like cruising USA. It feels like cruising USA, but it also has. It's been modernized. It's faster. It's. I don't. And it almost reminds me uh, just as much of like San Francisco Rush twenty forty nine or sorry, uh, Rush 40, 2049. Okay. So imagine putting those two worlds together. Uh, yeah. The faster part is not a selling point for me right now. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, you know, most I would prefer like I would I, I would like more scenic driving games. I did see some crazy a video of like some live streamer that has I, I guess plays truck driving games. Mm -hmm. That's their Twitch channel. Is they play play games where you are driving a, a big rig I guess across the country, and he like built an entire cab to do his streaming from. So it looks okay. like he's in an actual big rig. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, and I'm like, you know what? I could I could get into that. What was ages and ages and ages ago, back on your back on your old show, you guys were talking about what was it, Desert Bus? Well, Desert Bus is not really what I want, but I mean Desert Bus was the Penn and Teller joke game, right? Okay. Um and that was because Penn and Teller were making fun of the idea that games were like ultra it had, it got back to like, you know, uh uh I don't know, Joseph Lieberman or whoever complaining about how ultra-realistic and violent games were. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they decided to make the most realistic game you possibly could, which was a five-hour bus ride through the desert from... I don't remember where, but I think you ended up in Reno, Nevada. Okay. And it was five hours of just driving in a straight line. <laughs> and uh, it's it's really boring. Um, no, I would I would definitely go for like scenic driving games where there okay. isn't traffic. 
Okay. Like, I, I could enjoy that genre. This is, you know, when I first started, I, I think I mentioned this in a previous episode. When I first wanted to um, try to write a Sega Genesis demo, my original idea was something that I called Iowa Driving Simulator. Okay. Um, because I thought of it while driving through Iowa once. And I'm like, yeah, that seems pretty easy. Like, it's just a straight line and some green scenery that scrolls. Occasional billboard for something, you know? Like, I think I could manage that. Yeah, but then I ended up build, building something different. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Um, but yeah, scenic, relaxing driving games. That's what I would like. I, I don't need fast-paced racing anymore. Well, um, there's, there's, I mean, I know there's the semi-driving games, but there are other games that are just kind of a tour, like a gentle tour, right? Yeah. You would think there would be, um, you would think there would be something like that in VR. Oh, yeah, I don't want to do VR though. Okay. I don't want anything that close to my face, man. I don't like the idea that like a ninja could sneak up behind me. <laughs> if it's a real ninja, it could sneak up behind you even without the thing on your face. Well, right, but I, I feel like I have a better chance. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um,. Yeah. Okay. You know, you've you've inspired me. Is is Cruising USA on the um, the uh, Nintendo Switch Online N sixty four collection? I can't remember if it I is. don't remember. I never even considered buying that because it seemed like such a ripoff. Yeah, I did. I did go for it because um, I thought, well, if they're going to be adding DLC as part of it, then that's when it starts to become about, you know, where it starts yeah. to kind of justify its I, I value. I saw that with the announcement around um, Super uh, the Super Mario Kart DLC being included with that, or you can mm -hmm. buy it separately mm -hmm. or some other. I was just like, uh, okay. A lot of options. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll have a tough decision to make next year, whether or not I want to keep on uh, NSO because I, I've been using my Switch so little. But um, I do at least like the idea of having access to that stuff. You know, I'll look. I'll look and see if Cruising USA is part of the N64 collection. And if it is, maybe I'll bust it out today. All right. Yeah. Um, okay. So we are almost done. We are at my... Uh, my last track of the day, our second to last track of the episode. And I had mentioned at the very beginning of the episode how that two dots track was uh, probably my second favorite track of the day. And it's because this track is my favorite of the day. And in fact, it's, um, it, it's the, this episode is an excuse to play this track. Okay. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, <clears throat> it is the burning sands. From Final Fantasy X, uh, originally on the PS2, composed by Masashi Hamausu.
Okay, and this is the Burning Sands from Final Fantasy X. And I've mentioned before that I'm too non-committal to be able to like say top 10 pieces of video game music or top 50 or whatever, but <clears throat> I like this track so much that I don't know what the other 49 tracks would be in my top 50. But okay. I know this would make the list. This would be this would absolutely be in my top 50 favorite pieces of VGM music of all time, period. All right. Interesting. So yeah. you do tend to gravitate towards the sort of atmospheric or, or ambient music. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yeah. I um, yeah. I mean, I already sort of knew that, but this for sure confirms that. Mm-hmm. Well, and I and I've mentioned I've mentioned it probably too many times by now. But the time I got to do that episode of Hearts of Space, uh, this track was in that episode. Okay. So we got this on Hearts of Space. So it's not just theoretical me saying, oh, this would be great on an episode of Hearts of Space. I could say this was great on an episode of Hearts of Space. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, I just, you're right. I, I, um, I love the atmosphere of this, you know. Um, that rich bass, the, the pearly. Like, I would have no doubt that this would be a desert area if I heard this mm-hmm. in the wild. But yeah, yeah, and it is. Yeah, I mean, wait, have you wait? How far do you? I, I know I've asked like three different times, but I'm really answered. Did you finish Final Fantasy X? Uh, I made it to the Ject battle and couldn't beat it because I ran from too many random battles over the course of the game. Oh, okay. And so, then I think yes, I ran this conversation. Then, then I explained that there's like one summon that if you had it, you can win the battle with basically taking no damage. Mm. But but it's a missable summon, so there's if you skipped a lot of stuff, then perhaps you didn't do this optional quest to get this one summon that is basically, um, well, not basically, it's completely overpowered. Okay. Yeah, I, I very much doubt it. I don't remember anything, but you know, it was, my goodness, this was probably 2003, 2004, the last time I played, you know, through, made it to the, made it to Jacked. So it's been so long now. Of course, if I don't have it, it was probably halfway back through the game, and I wouldn't. It'd be un, it wouldn't be feasible to go back for it. Oh, so spoiler alert um, about the second to last battle there. Oh, well, sorry. <laughs> it's not a huge spoiler because, like, there's no video game I've ever found that copies the the hero's journey more literally than Final Fantasy X. Okay. And. Like, if you ever look at the Hero's Journey archetype, right? Like, Star Wars is another example that copies Hero's Journey, like, literally. Okay. Um, and, like, the, the sort of last phase is confrontation with the father is mm-hmm. one of the stages. So, both Star Wars and, you know, um, Final Fantasy X have literal confrontation with the father versus confrontation with, you know, you know elder boss sort of character. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If you read, yeah, that's it's just it's a it's just a fun topic. That's why if people say like, "Hey, Final Fantasy X and Star Wars are structured really, really, really similar," it's like we're right because they're they're copying this exact same pattern. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. Uh, according to Wikipedia, it's also called the Monomyth. Same thing. Yes, it's the same thing. It's uh, document. Uh, there's a professor uh joseph campbell that sort of documented this and yeah 
you you find the pattern in many many games and stories like dune you know we talked about is, is an example of it mm -hmm. as well um but yeah final fantasy x it's like it, and again star wars are the like the the two things that i think most like the the authors of the game clearly read you know studied hero's journey and just i'm gonna make my game these stages in that order exactly how they're defined mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah, it's um, it, it's funny to think that someone would out there in the wild would pick up on the similarities between Star Wars and Final Fantasy, and think that the it's either an amazing coincidence or the one is copying the other. When really they're both actually just copying a common something. Right. Right. Yeah. Um. I really, I really could talk about this track forever. I, I won't. The only, the only, I think the only thing I'll say, the only other thing I'll say about this track. Before we go on to um, to our end of show stuff, is um, this was another track that was in backtracks in 2020, and it actually is amazing backwards. Um, in my best of 2020 slash 2021, uh, it was such a weird season. I decided to embrace the weirdness of it and just lean into that. So my, if, if you haven't heard that yet, well, I, I imagine you've heard it, but if the listeners haven't heard it. Um, I didn't, I didn't shy from the backwards and slow down music. I actually worked some of that in. And the backwards version of this track is in uh, in my episode about the, oh, maybe about the three quarters way through the episode. Um, and it's, it's really interesting what it does to it backwards. Um, I, I don't know. I think, I think a 52-48 split, I like it better forward, but it is so close. It is it's so it's so good uh both directions so if you haven't heard that episode go check it out i um i have a tendency sometimes to add a track after the blooper reel as a as like part of the bonus uh i, I don't think i'll include the backwards version of this because we just featured it you know last month but um if you haven't heard it go hear it and if you do all of a sudden hear a backwards version of this at the episode when you're listening to it then i changed my mind somewhere in production <laughs> um okay so so, um, end of show business. I, I was going to mention in the intro, I had said that there was something I'd forgotten about. And, and, uh, I remembered what it was now. I had, um, you know, earlier this year, I, I upgraded my recording equipment and, um, some of that I bought outright, but some of that I, uh, Sweetwater's doing, does the thing where it's like six months, 0% interest. So you add up the monthly payments and, and it's the exact same amount that you would have paid if you bought it out outright. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, I did six month monthlies on most of my new recording equipment and I made my final payment on it like three days ago as of this recording. So I own this stuff outright. And it's funny how, um, it's funny how just that, just that act of paying that final payment makes you feel differently about the equipment. You know, it's like, this is actually mine now. Now I can put yeah. stickers all over it if I want to. <laughs> Not that I want to, but, you know. <laughs> now I can put Hello Kitty stickers all over it. <laughs> yeah. And you can add it to your homeowner's insurance policy because it's probably not covered. Yeah, I suppose. Well, renter's insurance for us, but yes. Oh, then it probably is covered. Yeah, because renter's insurance is different. But yeah, you have... Sorry, I wrote software for an insurance company like for many years, uh, a long time ago in a previous life. Okay. And... Your, your insurance policies typically don't cover items over a certain value. Like, they're really sneaky about this. So, like, if, if you have items over a certain value, you actually have to get them included, like, specifically on the policy. 
Interesting. Yeah, yeah, they'll, they'll find any way they can to avoid paying you. Of course. Of course. Um, <laughs> much that I could say about that that I'm going to force myself not to. Um, so, end of show business. Um, what's coming up on the horizon for you? Uh, geez, I don't know. Um, I've been, I mean, I, I, working on a few different little articles and stuff, nothing huge. Might do another game demo in another year if I can find the motivation to do it um on my other podcast we're talking about we're looking at some doing some features on things that turn 20 or 30 this year so it's that's retro game club like i just noticed on a whim that like grand theft auto vice city turns 20 um in a month oh so yeah. i'm like we should probably do an episode about that and um you know one that i don't know how we're going to cover it um and it certainly would never come up on this show um, like anything from this would ever come up, but the um, the Magnavox Odyssey turns fifty next month. Yes, that's right. Yes, which would be a bad system to cover on this show. Um, but I'm thinking about like how can we talk about it just because like it's a system that's older than both of us and um, not quite sure how how to talk about it just because we have such limited experience. Um. You know what? We could just bring it up. I mean, we don't necessarily have to have something yeah. concrete to. We're not going to feature a track from the Odyssey, but yeah, how could you? Right? Like, <laughs> yeah, right. Here, here's tennis for two. <laughs> beep, beep. You know, like <laughs> it's not very, very good. But like on on on, uh, on the game club, we may talk about it. It's, I'm not sure how we're going to. Um, but yeah, like I mentioned, so in October. I said I think I said next month. It's actually October. Uh, Sega CD turns thirty. Okay. In the U.S. Okay. And Grand Theft Auto Vice City turns 20. And, and those are both hugely influential things for me. So uh, I, I want to talk about them both. It's just um, there's so much to say in, in so little time. So Sure. Well, so here's an idea. We, we haven't figured out what the theme of the next episode is going to be. And it's your turn to pick. Yeah. But, you know, if the Sega CD turns 30 in the same month that we do our next episode, and we're both humongous Sega CD fans... What do you say to the idea of doing a Sega CD episode? Yeah, we could. I could definitely do a Sega CD episode because there's, I don't know, hundred or so soundtracks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I suspect you would pick more chip games than I would. When I say chip games, that like soundtracks that are done on the Genesis hardware versus being CD tracks. That's my suspicion, at least. Whereas I would probably pick almost exclusively CD tracks. Well, I mean, we'll see where it goes, but I mean. Yeah, Sega CD 30th anniversary in October. So, do, do we want to just lock yeah. that in as our subject? Yeah, let's do Sega CD. I was Sega I was, CD 30. I was thinking of an idea that would have included a few Sega CD songs, anyways. So let's just do Sega CD to celebrate the system turning 30. Okay. And, it, and it's an excuse to play some uh, lunar music. Perfect. I'm already thinking of tracks uh, to include. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah um, fact, Sega CD will be hard. It, it's going to be hard to get it down to seven picks, you know, mm-hmm. but I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out. Okay. Okay. Uh, that's all I got going on. What about you? Anything people need to know about? Well, let's see. Let's see here. Um, so again, we're recording. I, I know this episode comes out on the 25th, but we're recording it on the 14th. And today, uh, today we had our, our uh, August channel one episode come out. It was guest curated by, uh, by a, a chiptune artist named Kung Fu Furby. 
And uh, so this is this is something I'm considering. I mean, the music block was only produced a couple weeks ago, but I'm considering this a lost level. And, and I've thrown the term around before, but lo- in the in the context of nerd noise radio, what lost level means is a production that was either made or planned to be made sometimes years ago, and then just for whatever reason never saw the light of day, right? But then was also not thrown in the in the waste bin. Uh, so. Now, episode 70 uh, for December is going to be Hugh and I's best of 2022. Uh, so so we'll, we'll, we'll do something uh, covering the entire year in December. But from here through November, the entire rest of Channel 1 2022 is going to be made up entirely of loss levels. Uh, you know, one of the, the October episode, uh, October 2022 episode, the music block for the October 2022 episode was actually made in like June of night or of uh, 2018. So it'll be over four and a half years old by the, or I'm sorry, almost four and a half years old by the time you guys hear it. Um, but, but anyway, uh, you know, getting to work with Kung Fu Furby, he, I don't remember if, if he broached the subject or if I broached the subject, but we were having this conversation in 2019 of doing this episode. And, and uh, I said, Oh sure. We'll do it as soon as possible. And now here we are 2022 and it finally happened. So, um, and you know, I, I don't consider you a guest, Hugh, uh, even on channel one, I consider you a, a partner. Um, and so I don't consider your Falcom episode, a guest episode. So that means this is the first guest episode. Well, you know, we did the one last year with my brother, but that was he and I collaborating together. So I don't, I don't quite think of that the same way. So yeah, this episode that came out today was our first proper guest episode since 2019. Wow. So it's, yeah. So it's kind of neat. Um, the ep- title of the episode is I Know Kung Fu. So you'll okay, have to I check just saw it that out. in my RSS feeds today. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, there's, some, there's some pretty uh, pretty mainstream accessible music in there. There's also some really wild avant-garde music in there. So um, it's a really good mix of, of, of energies. But if, if someone is like, ooh, I do not like you know, weird music, there's going to be some parts of that episode that are, are going to be a slog, but I think it's good. I think it's a neat collection of music and I'm really glad that, uh, Kung Fu Furby and I finally year, all these years later, finally had a chance to get that done. So, um, as far as the future, I don't know that I have any major updates. Uh, you know, I mean, we're the rest of 20, the rest of, uh, 2022 channel one will be lost level excavation until we get to our best of, uh, we now know that our final, our final proper episode of season two of channel two is going to be a focus on Sega CD music. And, um, I have a big medical procedure tomorrow that we talked about at the beginning of the episode that I'm pretty nervous about. Um, I really think that's it. I really think that's it for end of show stuff. So let's, let's do the usual things. Let's talk about your other show. Let's talk about channel one. Uh, let's talk about our last track and let's get out of here. Yeah, yeah. So again, other podcast is uh, Retro Game Club, and we talk about uh, more technically focused items, I guess you would call it. Not that that's proper English, anything I just said. Uh, but like some of the anniversary topics that I, I mentioned, those are things I think we will also do on on on, on that podcast. Um, you know, looking back at some of the these game anniversaries that are coming up, and uh, yeah, and I got a. If you like not very good Sega Genesis homebrew demos, I, I just put out something called uh, Speedrun Tower, which is a, <laughs> a very weird game, um, but it's free and open source, so it doesn't cost you anything but your, your precious time to try it. 
awesome. a very valuable time. <laughs> yeah, I really need to get um, emulation st- emulation stations set up on the Steam Deck. Um, and once I do, the very first game I'm going to play is Speedrun Tower. But as of this recording, I have not had a chance to play it yet. But I actually am excited to give it a try. I really am. I mean, I know you kind of talk it down, but... You you do, but I, I really yeah, think this yeah. is going to be fun. You know, I really am looking forward to finally being able to give it a try. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's it's a um, insight into the warped way that I, I view the world. Yeah, <laughs> that makes it sound even more compelling. Um, okay, so I imagine that most people listening to this are already familiar with Channel One, um, but just in case you're not, it's um, it's really intended to be the opposite to channel two you know here on channel two hugh and i we talk we share a little bit of music we talk about it we talk about related sometimes unrelated stuff it's it's really kind of more like a more like a conversation between friends but um channel one is not that at all channel one is my best poor man's attempt to emulate a professional radio program you know very scripted very uh as polished as I'm possible, I'm capable of producing uh, intros, this great big collection of uninterrupted music designed to take you on a journey, and then a housekeeping outro. So, you know, if you if you haven't heard it, check it out, and uh, let me know what you think. Uh, so, so let's talk about let's talk about our closer. Uh yeah. So we're in the desert. And my, uh, I guess part of this year, my only exposure to the desert would have been uh, Las Vegas. And uh, so I thought about Casino Kid. Um, Casino Kid soundtrack, not so great. Casino Kid 2, though, uh, a very rare NES game, has a a really fun soundtrack. So I picked Roulette, which is the music that plays when you're playing Roulette, a game I would advise you against playing. (laughs) Um, But anyhow, the composer is uh, Kenji Ino, and uh, you want to help me with this one, Michio Hirosawa. Let me let me uh, scroll to that part of the notes yeah. here. Uh, so, Kenji Eno, I'm pretty sure I got right. Uh, Kenji Eno and uh, Michio Hirosawa. Yes, thank you. You're welcome. Um, but this is a very—I thought this was a good closer. It's it's very upbeat. Definitely, I can feel like I'm in a casino uh, listening to this. It is a great track. Yeah, it's a. It does. You you can you can picture. I, I've got it in the background while playing in the background while we're talking, so I can hear it. You really, you could just see tables all around you with people gathered around it, and uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not. I mean, I'm not a big casino person. We have um, we have Prairie Meadows here, which is a pretty full size casino, but I just drink free pop basically, and then you know watch people just losing tons of money so um but yes yes this is a this is a great track it's a and it does i don't know like if you told if you didn't tell me it was a casino i don't know that i would necessarily think oh you know this makes me think of a casino but um knowing that i picture walking around the floor and seeing all that activity all that hustle and bustle yeah yeah and an interesting twist on the desert, you know, because there's nothing inherently desert about a casino, but the king of casinos is Las Vegas, which is right in the middle of the desert, you know? So it's, it, it definitely works. It definitely works, yeah. but it's kind of meta, you know? Yeah. But I guess casinos are everywhere now. Um, I mean, they're building a casino not too far from where I live, um, which is definitely not desert, 
But mm-hmm. again, I just I I can't I can't ever picture myself going into a casino anywhere but Las Vegas. Okay. When we were driving through uh, South Dakota, like every gas station said casino on the side, and there, were, of course, in in their case, it's like one or two slot machines, uh-huh. and the whole the thing casino. just feels yeah, just feels smarmy to me. Like uh, like I, I think of that scene from. Uh, Vegas vacation where the you know they go to that slum casino and there's like pick a number between one and ten you know and that kind of stuff yeah but but yeah so what we have in Illinois that drives me insane is mm-hmm. every bar you drive by has a sign that says video gaming and I'm like oh I'm gonna go play some Pac-Man and that's not <laughs> what they mean right 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 yes yes um well I think uh, I still think it's a great way to close out this episode. Um, we made it through, we made it through the 400 degree heat and the sand getting into everything and everyone, yep. um, to air conditioning and brilliant lights, and extreme loss of money. Yes, <laughs> and free pop. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. Okay, start talking. I want to see if I can get my levels good. Yeah, what's going on? Okay, that's good. So, <clears throat> I'm just uh, trying to restart a, a game demo I started like two years ago and then got bored with. <clears throat> Tell me about it. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, maybe later. Yeah. I mean, the problem is I, I kind of like, I'm like, man, this thing looks really ugly. So then earlier this year I did like a completely different 
game demo just because I don't know it, it was easy to do. Okay. And I used like a I I paid like three whole dollars for like a a licensed tile set. And uh, I'm like, hey, that looks so much better than the stuff I came up with. So now I'm like, oh, I bet this old demo that I started a while ago, I would like it better if I just like reskinned the whole thing to use this new tile set. Okay. And then I'd be like interested in finishing it because it wouldn't look so horrible. But now I'm beginning to have doubts about that and every other decision I've, I've made in life. <laughs> oh. You know, shower and junk in the morning. But like, I'm, it's like, well, if we're recording at 10, maybe I'll do record and then I'll go like run a couple miles and then, then I'll get dressed. You know, like, so. No, I'm going to go for a run the second we're done. And as long as I have enough time for that. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine this is going to go more than like an hour and change. So, but yes, I've been since uh, the late sort of like near the end of 2022, I've been trying to get into, um, I wouldn't say great shape, but like, like better than whatever shape I was currently in at the uh, end of 2022 or 2020, I should say, sorry. And more quiet until you get to a certain point north and then it becomes Door County. And then it's like weekends are the weekends at least are packed up there. Okay. I so Door County is this like stretch of far north Wisconsin where like the entire state of Illinois goes every weekend. <laughs> I so the key is to get somewhere in between that where you get the nice balance of like you can stay someplace nice, but it's not as much as staying in the city, but the town actually has things to do. Sure. Sure. I, I, I don't know anything about Door County, but I certainly recognize the name. So it's crossed my radar before. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like a lot of cheese and fudge shops, I think. I, I don't know. I, I've never really gone. Well, you know, one of the <clears throat> one one of the um, latent benefits of being in a midsize like I, do, like I am is both big and small are unique. Yeah. You know, I mean, you can live in a, a place that's huge like Chicago and go to another big city and it's unique because of its personality, but it's not unique because of its size. Right. Yeah. But when you live in a mid, a middle, middle option, like I do, both big and small are remarkable for their size. And so, you know, when you go, when I went, when I'd go to the twin cities and then come back, it'd feel kind of small for a little while. But when I went to South Dakota and came back, it felt huge. And both those impressions are equally false. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I was going to, I was going to take some, t I was going to take some time this weekend to research all your games. So I at least knew something of what we were talking about, but <laughs> I, um, well, we had a channel yeah. one episode come out today and it was as a Friday, it wasn't done. And so I, I stayed up to like four in the morning on Friday working on that. Well, I've played almost every game that I picked. Okay. Okay. Well, then I'm definitely going to lean on you for this. <laughs> I've, I've played most of them, but yeah, one of them I've not played. So Okay. All right. Um, anyway, yeah, I was a complete zombie yesterday. Okay. Because I had only had about three hours of sleep getting this episode done at the last second. Oh, okay. I see. I apologize for this. I really thought I had this all worked out there we go 
guess I'll get some incense going real fast. Um, you know, one of the things that really excited me about the Steam Deck was it's, um, it, oh, I better, <laughs> maybe I'll just leave that in the episode. I got to mute my phone. Um, anyway, no, yeah, I got to mute my phone. The part that's playing right now, uh, let me see what my timestamp is. Well, the part that, right, okay, you know, I'm going to cut this part of the conversation out. Okay. Um, okay. Is there any calibration we need to do before we come back? I don't think so, no. No, I just, I was checking the time, okay. For, well. Looks like we're doing yeah. okay on time. We're doing okay, yeah. Okay, and my audacity is still working okay, so... Welcome back. Hey, it is Uncharted 3, Atlantis oh. of the Sands. Oh, <laughs> I thought that was a great break bit in point. Sorry. <laughs> so sorry. Um, Not right there where it went silent for like a second. It was the right time to jump in. Uh, okay. Well, that's blooper reel for sure. Um, you want to just count it back in then? Uh, yeah. You'll have to, uh, I guess this part's good too. My favorite part, um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut this part out of the recording because it's not we're not gonna be in sync with the with the recording. But um, <laughs> the Lawrence of Arabia part, kind of the the big. Sw okay, so I'm I'm still cutting that part out. Okay, okay, and we're back. All right, so I'll go ahead and are you. Is our it is recording? Okay, good, good. Yes, yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. And I'm gonna so take. If you, want, if you want a copy of that, there's gonna be a lot of dead space here. Well, that's okay. Um, okay, and so my audacity is going. Your audacity looks okay. Um. Yeah. I mean, it's. I can never really tell. The, the bars to quality sometimes are deceptive, but it looks like the same level as what I usually am at. I guess I could lead into the mic more, but do what you normally do because I can. Yeah, yeah. I can do a lot in post. And as I said, I've learned, I've learned the hard way. It's if we have to get it wrong, we're better off doing a recording a little too quiet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have like an omnidirectional mic, so I never really sit that close to it. Right. Right. Blue snowball, I think is what you said. Yeah. It, it's, it's the blue snowball, except it's green. Right. Yep. <laughs> um, okay. So I'll do the, let's see. So it's my turn to do the, you are tuned or. 